Hey everybody, it's me, it's Travis Washington, and this is your Smine in the Truth, a podcast about the texts of my youth and a reevaluation of their merit and uh, you know whatever emotions and feelings they still bring about. And yeah, we are back. It's season three. And what could possibly make us come back for season three? What could it have possibly been? Well, my that my my band from when I was in high school, my favorite band from high school, the band that you know the name of this podcast comes from, Extreme, has put out their sixth album, and with that sixth album comes a tour, and so of course I've listened to the album, and what's also really really exciting is I, after all these years, after. You know, listening to this band for 30 plus years, I finally get to go and see them live. I bought tickets to go see them in Seattle at the Showbox. It's crazy. So it'll be a fun summer for me. It'll be the the summer of six. (laughs) And it'll be the summer of yours, mine, the truth. Because we are going to do season three. And that's how we're going to bookend it. We're going to start with a look at uh, this band's new album. And that's what we have here today with my friends Ted McCoy and Sat Gill. Really, really great conversation. You're going to love it. I really love the directions uh, and places this 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 conversation, this discussion went about this band um, is, is great. Uh, but before we get into that, I do want to talk about what's been going on in my life. Uh, I am uh, now, I think since a lot of you last heard me, I am a, a co-owner and a, a part of the talent of uh, Boom Professional Wrestling. And it has been, I, I, I got to talk about it on another podcast recently. It has really been the best and most rewarding creative, collective creative project I've ever been a part of. It's been uh, so, so fun. And uh, if you guys can find, if you want to look it up, go to boomprowrestling.com or follow us on YouTube, follow us on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. You can kind of get a vibe for what we're about and what Wild Eyes Travis Walashin is all about. It's been uh, a real dream come true. We've got the season finale coming up, the biggest one. We've done, uh, this will be our 10th show, and it's coming up on June 30th. So we are really, really excited about that. Uh, aside from that, my daughter's nine years old now. She's involved in Boom. That's exciting. My wife is doing well. I'm, uh, I've been, uh, you know, I've been lucky enough to book some acting gigs lately, and uh, that's staying busy. And, uh, you know, education remains this this kind of back and forth uh, profession for me as well. Uh, so on that side uh, of things, things are good. But uh, I do want to use this time uh, this summer to kind of get caught up on uh, with some friends and talk about some other things. So we will have some things aside from Extreme. Uh, we'll keep an eye out for that. Maybe I'll talk a bit more about that on the way out because this is about today's first episode of season three. Uh, Extreme have put out an album for the first time in 15 years, and it is their sixth album. It is appropriately titled Six. And I have with me two guests that I've already mentioned, Ted McCoy and Sack Gill. Sack Gill was our very, very first guest on Yours, Mine, and the Truth, so it's amazing to have him back. And Ted McCoy, this will be his third appearance, but he is also the man who has the most listens of any uh, any podcast uh, that, 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 that I've done. And it's among the most uh, on on our the, the Palm Podcast Network. Um, like it's definitely in the top uh, three, I think. So that that's awesome. 
so it's great to have both of them back. I, I, I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this. Uh, and welcome back to Yours, Mine, the Truth. And, and here we go with uh, us discussing Extreme Six. Enjoy. Welcome back, everybody, to Yours, Mine, and the Truth. This is season three. My name is Travis Walashin. I am, you know, getting getting used to this again, getting used to this podcasting thing. It's one of those, uh, it's been a minute, but I'm glad to do it. So we're, we're you know, uh, I may have forgotten something earlier, but we're ready to go now. I'm thrilled to be back. And the reason why we're back is because uh, my favorite band from high school, and that's what this podcast is all about, is getting into... Uh, uh, the, the bands from my youth, and they put out a new album, Extreme Six. I'm really excited to do this uh, with with two of my my nearest and dearest friends, uh, each of which I've known for a long time, including the first guy I'm going to mention uh, here, who I met when I first moved out here in 1999 uh, or 1998. I met him probably 98, 99 when we worked at the Virgin Megastore. He was the first guest on Yours, Mine, and the Truth. I'm thrilled to have him back to talk about Extreme again. Uh, this is Sat Gill. Sat, how are you? Glad to be back, my friend. It's been a while. Yeah, well, yeah. happy to have you. Uh, yeah. And uh, with me as well, I've, I've known even longer uh, and is on the most listened to episode of Yours, Mine, and the Truth, still to this date. Uh, in the third episode, uh, a guy I met uh, working for a nonprofit in Calgary. Uh, and uh, we uh, he's an incredible guy, a professor at the University of Calgary, an author, a great writer, uh, again, a dear friend, um, your friend of mine, Ted McCoy. Ted, how are you? I'm good, Travis. Hey, nice to hey, be here. Thank, thank you. All right. We uh, could talk quickly about what's happened with, with our taste of music really quick. I, I can say uh, quickly that, um, you know, I I don't, we, we all have passion for music. There was a time when we were all like uh, digging into music a lot more than we are now. We're still interested in some new music. We've had this conversation off air re uh, recently, very recently. Um, and so I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to intro for myself here is um, I'm excited about this album. I wasn't excited about their last album uh, because at that point I was way more deep into indie rock and things like this. Um, but I've learned that as I've got older, I've kind of, uh, you know, I'm going through the the same thing that that I, I, I that I never really fully understand with like Paul McCartney when he go back and play the Cavern Club to play his like really really old hits and old songs that that feel like a uh, you know nursery rhymes to me uh, you know from from an outside point of view. But I'm kind of starting to get it now because I've got a, a a taste for for uh, extreme because we went back to 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 go back and reevaluate them at the start of this podcast. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that have happened since then. And we'll talk about that as we go. And um, but, uh, you know, Ted, you were saying off air that a similar um, band that you have these types of attachments to that, you know, that are that, are, you know, they they were popular 
way in the past, but you know, uh, not so much now, but you're still kind of have kind of gone through these waves of interest, but now kind of have uh, an affection for them is uh, the Smashing Pumpkins. Do you want to explain uh, how that's been for you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's the same thing that happened with you and that I, I felt like I was getting more into indie rock and the Smashing Pumpkins by like 98, 99, they weren't indie rock anymore and they weren't like college rock they were like mainstream cj92 rock and <laughs> i mean you and i listened to a lot of that stuff when we were at work but we were sort of seeking out new and underground yeah. music and certainly like by 2000 2001 right like you discover the white stripes and like the white stripes are like miles from and like everyone around them the smashing pumpkins and like the pumpkins had like imploded by then and so by the time they came back i was I was just not interested anymore. Although I'm actually surprised to hear that you like ignored a new extreme record when it came out. Uh, because if I had had to guess, I would have said that you came back to them very quickly to like figure out what was happening in the extreme camp. But, yeah. but with I mean, my once, once example, I had, yeah, once I had heard it come out, like, oh, okay, I want to hear this. And, okay. I to, and then I dug into it right away, but it wasn't yeah. like, uh, like, Oh, when's their new music coming out? You know what I mean? Like, okay. Uh, yeah. No, I yeah. was very, very similar. Yeah. 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 Uh, cool. Sat, uh, there any, any band like, like this where you, you know, where you feel, maybe you feel like you grew out of, but then have kind of, kind of grown a fondness for again, uh, as in your I, later years? I'll answer, that, I'll answer that question, but one, I want to digress. What I love about you, Travis, you're the only guy in my travels that I know who owns the Nuno Betancourt solo album schizophonic you're the only yeah. guy i know brother and ted ted Hail had it you, as well ted, uh, ted, ted has it ted? yeah yeah that's ted a, has it too that's when we were we were meeting i could meet you too well i could tell you every person i know who owns that album i i i told them about it <laughs> you know what i mean back in the day so so he owes he owes me at least you know four four records um uh interesting you mentioned that there are some elements on this album that kind of make me think of that uh of what he was doing there uh too um but do you have a a, a band uh that you've you know what i mean that you kind of like ah oh, man this is this ain't my scene no more and then you get a little older and you're like oh yeah it wasn't so bad this is gonna uh this is gonna come as a shock <laughs> but and i got tickets next week to see them at blink 182 huh. i still love them around 98 99 yeah that was yeah that was like that was it right for those yeah. two three years and then i felt until around 2003 i just completely fell i was like why, why am i listening to this right <laughs> and fast forward you know 20 years later yeah it's like I, I i went back and i was like holy shit, yeah this is really good stuff that came out best so now i'm like you know i don't know if it's because the show's coming up next week so i've just been like that's great like immersed in yeah. like their 98 to 2003 catalog does four or five years yeah and they put out some quality like it's, it's sure you know hey, there's a couple stone cold classics in that catalog for sure um i really re i realized that when what was it the uh the, the avalanche colorado avalanche went on their run and you'd start and they'd, they'd they were playing the band or the the crowd would sing along to when they were ahead at the end of like the third period to all the small things and it's just like, whoa, this is, uh, or it might have been after each win or something. I can't, but it, but it was like a marching cry. And I'm like, yeah, that's, uh, that's uh, one of those things. When a song becomes um, part of the ether, you know what I mean? Like they've got that, they've got that in their catalog. Um, so, and that's like, you know, one of like four or five, I'd say. And then mixed in with, I'm sure there's some deep cuts that you could tell us on a, 
on a separate podcast that is that right we could yeah we could do a whole episode on, on Blink. but i was going to say you know we were talking off the air about about the older bands and how it's um sometimes a struggle to really get into, into the new stuff yeah uh like you know we were mentioning depeche mode and it's like like an example it's like it takes a lot for me to like give it a give it a proper mm-hmm. listen mm-hmm. and sometimes and sometimes it's 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 rewarding, but most times it isn't. Mm-hmm. It's uh, and then I keep going back to their older catalog, all which I'll always love. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's a lot harder to I don't know if it's an age thing to keep up with like the older bands, the newer putting out new albums. Yeah, it's, but also uh, I mean, like yeah. it all depends on how the what they're trying to wear and if it fits in terms of music, right? If they're just trying to act like, uh, and we're going to talk about speaking of things that you wear, we're going to talk about uh, Gary Sharon's wardrobe and some of these music videos as we go. And and but there's like I mean it more with like music stylings and stuff, and it's like you know uh, Gary Sharon is 61 years old now. Um, we mentioned our uh, K Fig is uh, the drummer uh, is. 46 um and it's kind of everything in between there right um so you know you can't be expecting these guys to come out and be delivering something that's i don't know you know this this isn't going nobody's expecting chart toppers you know or or things to even be part of the public conscience uh at this uh stage in the juncture of their career no i totally get it right um so They are yeah. older than the Rolling Stones were when we saw them in 1998. That's insane. That's so right? crazy. I mean, right? They were, we saw them and they were like old men. And but... yeah, that's right. That's right. And even then they were making, uh, you know, uh, jokes yeah. about the wheelchairs and stuff like that. Anyways, um, but so yeah, and, and that's what we'll talk about that. Like what, why does a band get together to do this at this stage? Why are they putting out new music? Um, I think we're going to get into that too. Um, but I guess we should just get into it. Uh, there's Extreme Six, uh, the sixth studio album from uh, the Boston Records. Extreme, uh, Gary Sharon, Nuno Bentoncourt, Pat Badger, and the, the aforementioned uh, drummer for his second album, Kevin Figueredo. Um, yeah, uh, it's been 15 years in between albums. The album cover has a, a gorilla on the front of just a big old face of a gorilla. It's called the album's called Six because it's good. the name of the gorilla is Pakanuga. Akanuga, which is the first two letters of each uh, uh, band member's names. And this is the kind of thing that I'm learning that, again, I would have just been like slurping up in the back of like a Metal Edge magazine uh, sat. And now, and, I, and I'm and i noticing they're doing, I mean, we'll talk about it as we go again, but they're doing a lot of uh, stuff that rewards, they've done their homework, right? They're throwing in a lot of little Easter eggs and things that, and or stuff that, Back in the day, you know, when these things were coming out uh, at the in real time, uh, teenage Travis and I know, you know, these other there are fans as as I've learned, um, we're, we're feeling back then, and it's interesting to have that that type of awareness. Um, but uh, I guess we should just get to this. Let me um, make sure you guys can hear this because I will uh, do like we did last time. You guys can see this, okay? Yeah, you guys can see this all right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um so yeah, we will uh we'll listen to these track by track or I'll play like first 30 seconds or so for each one. Um and then we'll we'll kind of give our thoughts. Uh yeah, so Extreme 6 opening track opens with 
uh, what was their first single, uh, something that came out. They end up, when they announced the album, they put out this song. It's like four, like three or four months before the album itself came out. This is uh, Rise. <laughs> All right, so that opening uh, guitar is hard, it is raw, and it is ultimately pretty generic. Uh, so for 15 years, um, you know, I want to be excited. And when that is the first thing that kind of comes out of the gate, I'm like, okay, well, I mean, I know they're, like, we'll talk about all the different genres that they do, um, and, and, um, all the different sounds they they attempt as we go here and this uh at least what they're starting with here to me this felt like they're kind of okay we're just going to try to stake a claim amongst the uh you know these bands that are probably about you know 20 years old, younger than us uh whatever i i would put this like that that you know i don't even know who i would say would be a contemporary with that kind of guitar riff but I think from then, when it gets like this, is what I mean of, of having different kind of sounds, it gets to that "You're the Chosen One," which I which I really like, um, uh, and it kind of makes me wish they would just do like a straight up like Stan Bush uh, "You Got the Touch" type song. Uh, like that would be a blast. Right? I think they'd have a really good time with that. Um, and the OEOEO is is different, and they're trying different things, and they're all coming in the right spot. Like they're not. These guys know how to write a song. They know where to put the opening. They know where to put the verse. They know where to play the mess around with things and do bridges. And and I, but they also have this thing where they want to try different sounds. And sometimes when they put these different sounds together, it's it's a nice thing. In this one, I think this felt a little uh, patchwork. Um, I think this will be fine. Like again, this is we talked about the music we listened to. Uh, and I, and I kind of talked with you sat via text when this first came out that if we heard this opening uh, riff on the on the radio, I don't think we'd we'd keep listening. You know what I mean? Um, I again, I stuck with it. I think this is a song that would really work for uh, like a WWE or an AEW pay per view, which is great. Hey, fine, go for it. That's just not the kind of music that I'm seeking out. Um, but first, here we go. Uh, it, it, it leads up into before I sign it off and hear what you guys say. Uh, this solo in the middle of this thing is, I can tell pretty much the reason why they put this this out as the opening uh, single. It is uh, insane. It is like kind of nonstop and uh, just excessive. Um, again, it it does first couple plays feels a little more Patrick. It's definitely growing up, uh, growing on me in, in the way it builds it to the to the point where, and I like I do think this is a good song. I know I'm kind of pissing on it. Um, to the point that after at the end of the guitar, when 
it comes back to that at the end of that solo and it comes back to that generic riff i almost welcome it so i guess that's a the biggest achievement of this song aside from that that solo which i don't know it feels like it went semi-viral but i don't know there's so many niche um measurements now like i know that the guy from the darkness uh talked about it on his instagram and some other people did and um but that you know ted you had asked me who we think is a bigger star in the band nuno or gary and i still think nuno and i think the band does too because i think that's why this solo or that this this was the first single um and like i said a song that i've grown to to like um but it's not my favorite on the album uh who wants to talk about rise first i think uh <laughs> I think this is the filler track. This is the the one filler track on the record. Mm. I think I I I I think it's the filler track, uh, which I'm surprised they started off with. Uh, you were having a tough time uh, categorizing this if you had to categorize this song with uh, or compared to other bands. I just found out recently, actually, as as yesterday, that there is a genre called butt rock. It's the Nickelback, <laughs> the Drowning Pools, yeah, yeah, Saliva's. Crazy yeah. towns. So yeah. it's, it's, it's a very bike cherries. So it's a very vast sort of bunch of bands in that in that genre called yeah. butt rock. Yeah. And I would call, I would put this song in that genre. Yeah. Butt rock. It, yeah. it, 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 but it, but and I think that might but, have but been I, a, a calculated choice, man. But yeah, keep going. But I yeah. So that's my opinion of the song, and that to me it doesn't. This this song doesn't. Uh, uh give justice to the whole record i it's the, the record sounds different than this yeah. one song i would honestly say that about the first i don't want to give much away but first four the first four songs they put out um <clears throat> are kind of don't do justice to the rest of the album um i i do kind of like some more than this which we'll get to but yeah i uh i agree um ted rise yeah um I mean, I'm kind of with you in that, like, Apple Music has a categorized as hard rock, right? Mm -hmm. um, which is fine. Like, there's lots of different genres on the album. But, like, if you think about other big hard rock bands that are of this vintage, and if they're going to open an album, like, if you think about the first track of an ACDC album, it's usually the single. Mm -hmm. And they always pick the track with the best riff and the best hook in the guitar um and then you know with varying sort of like levels of success over over the years but but generally if you think about even their, their like their last 25 years their best their best lead off tracks have like a great hook and so i think what you identify is like absolutely correct and that it just like trudges mm -hmm. to start and like i i i agree with sal like i think it's filler and I, it's not it's not super compelling. And I think sometimes when they have a song like this on the album, and I think there's a few of them, they try to do interesting things production wise to like make it more interesting. Yeah. And so it's like, someone was like, why don't we go? Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yes. And that will like, you know, it does add dynamic to the song, but it doesn't like elevate this song to mm -hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I think I probably texted you while I heard this the first time and was like, maybe I did and maybe I didn't. But I, one, I had the question, like, who, 
who is extreme about now? Is it Nuno or is it Gary? Mm -hmm. And then it, the other question was like, why does this album exist? And it's not like, it's not apparent from the first track, right? Right. No. And then yeah. I think what you identify in the solo is like a separate issue. Like the solo is like a curiosity at this point, like in right. terms of like a modern new album that like, I mean, you sent me the numbers of like streams that the album was doing in its first week and it was big, right? Yeah. Yeah. So think, think about another big album that came out anytime in the last six months that had a solo like this in it. So it's like, it's like anachronistic, like it's very weird. Right. And it's, and you, you're like, it's a throwback because it's like, you know, like the Eddie Van Halen comparisons to Nuno, like back in the eighties and any, like, you know, Eddie Van Halen's long gone and like nobody else plays like this anymore. Mm -hmm. So it's, it is like a weird, like, Oh yeah, this, this band is about Nuno moment where, you know, there's no more guitar heroes really. Like you mm -hmm. can't, you can't really think of any that where you're like, I wonder what he's going to do on the solo. Like it's right. all sort of like sludge now and generic and blended this, you know, for, I think for better, not for worse. Like it's, it's not that like it's unique. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, like as like, not so good, not so good. Wait, what's that? Yeah. That's, there, there's something to that. Like it's, right. you know, yeah. it's a really conscious choice, I think is what you were saying. Mm -hmm. But yeah. yeah, not, not, not like the best thing to open the, the album with, but we'll, we'll go on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like I said, I, if they're trying to, um, again, put their flag next to these, these kind of butt rock bands with that, uh, I do think that that is, you know, on purpose. I do, uh, in this case, uh, and that's why they came out with this. And I, because th I think that's a way that they can just, okay, you're going to kind of put us in, you're going to hear this with this, but then you're going to hear something that, that in the middle that, that is going to make us stand out. Um, and I think that was the idea. Uh, and you know, who knows? It, it feels like it's working for them. I'd like to see the tickets sell more, uh, for the live shows. We'll talk about that in a bit as well. Um, and I know they'll play this song live because I know people want to see that uh, thing. They, they already have done it a couple of times and they'll want to see that uh, solo. Um, but do I do I need to see it live? I don't know. Um, next one. Uh, hashtag rebel. Well, here we go. Next one. Hashtag rebel. So that this song, so this to me, it's not so much they're trying to sound like butt rock, but they're trying to sound a bit more, or they're or at least I don't know, they're trying to sound like um, they are. Uh, 
you know, this is a more modern guitar sound right off the start there. But I think it's more like a, a, like a Queens of the Stone Age or something that has a little bit more swagger. And uh, I think it, it fits them uh, better. Um, it's still a little generic, still a little WWE pay-per-view, that opening riff. But um, enough, different enough that, I, that I'm more interested off the hop. The uh, same thing with the lyrics are simple enough to not be about any uh, specific group. And because it's basically, it's kind of the... Um, well, the same. It's funny. Rise is basically hip today, right? The kind of like you'll be popular one day and then you'll you'll vanish, which is something they've experienced. And this is more about well, like I don't think they use the word keyboard warriors, and, and you know that could have gone. It could have been shitty. Uh, you know, it could have been a bad song, or 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 I, you know, it could have been a an you know kind of more out of touch statement when people kind of go after these keyboard warriors or whatever, but. And here's especially when you're you know older and writing about it. But Gary Sharon has gone through a lot of people talking shit about him, right? Uh the, the whole uh, Van Halen uh uh situation, you know, makes me think that this could come from a much more real place. And he can kind of, you know, even though this is kind of like you know, modern uh speak, like um and, and being online, but but I like the uh I really like the instigator, agitator, uh, rabble rouser, troublemaker bit. Um, and the, uh, I like that uh, you're talking to me as you're walking away. Like I said, it's got a nice, tough swagger. I feel like things fit here a bit more. Uh, the bridge really works. I'm into the, here's what I'm talking about, the harmonies. I really, really like the harmonies. That's what, that's the one thing in Rise that really, aside from, okay, here's this crazy solo. But when you start to hear their harmonies at the end of the solo, I'm like, oh, here they are. Here they are. I'll say right now, my favorite the harmonies might be my, if I could pick one aspect of this album, once it are, is probably my favorite part of this album, the way they, they harmonize together. Um, and this one, it's 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 different from some of the other ones. But this is Gary really, really uh, stretching. Um, uh, another, I feel like this this solo is also excessive, and um, but feels a bit more fitting. It's also really incredible. Again, like when we say excessive, that's just what it, that's what it is. Um, that's what he does uh i this I'd, I'd rather see it live this i really felt the drums when i was driving around with this today too this one uh uh so of the four uh like i said this opening these opening four tracks are not my favorite this is probably my favorite of the first four uh ted we'll let you go uh first time on rebel here okay yeah i like this a lot better than rise mm -hmm. um because i like the riff a lot better yeah um interesting riff to start and then unfortunately i think it like takes a step back like I think the verses are a problem all the way across the record. Okay, okay. Like I think it takes a step down when Gary does the verse. Like the verse is not interesting and it's not melodic. And it kind of like I keep using the word trudges, but it kind of trudges for me again. Mm -hmm. But then I'm a lot like you, and then I really like that line, um, you're talking to me as I'm walking away. Mm-hmm. And I listened to this track a lot over the last week. And, you know, as I listened to it, I was like entering my own question going like this album's about Gary, like extreme is about Gary. Mm -hmm. uh, that's how I feel when I'm listening to this. And, you know, like I know there's four people in the group, but like this, this feels to me like him putting his stamp on it for the first time on the record. It's only the second track. So, yeah. um, you know, he, he can do that. Are you looking up the writing credits? Is that what you're doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. What's interesting is uh, they have a ton of extra writers on their different on these each of these songs. The only that where in the past it was always just 
you know, the Lennon and McCartney, uh, Sharon and Betancourt. And we had them for four, uh, track four and track 12. And yeah. on track three, you have uh, Pat, what we're going to get to next, their bassist who's been with them, uh, who's written. But then other than that, we've got someone named Jordan Ferreira, who's done here a lot. And this rebel has uh, also somebody else, Matthew James McGuire, Denise. A lot of these guys don't even have blue, um, uh, you know, Wikipedia yeah. things. And we'll get more in it. So I don't know. Uh, there's someone at the end that who we'll talk about who is does have a bit more of a, a reputation. But it's fascinating how many outside sources they, they've gone to with the songwriting in this, which, make, again, makes me think that just how calculated the choices are for what's on here and what they're putting out first and and all that kind of thing. Um, yeah, but uh, when you say it's about Gary, I guess you know it has to be, but it does have you know a few other people on board. Um, anything else, Rebel? No, I think that was it, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I do like it, and I, I think it's good. Um, mm -hmm. I think sometimes when things are not interesting, Gary tries to do something interesting, and that, that can elevate it. Um, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, but I do like the chorus a lot on yeah. this. I, I yeah. don't like the la na 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 part. Mm. Um, so that's like, it goes both ways, right? Like sometimes Gary gets me and then sometimes I'm just like, don't do that. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. okay. I'll, I'll let Sat go. Sat? Hashtag rebel. I, uh, yeah, I, I dug the track. It, uh, I said this the other day to you. It kind of reminds me, like, it, it feels like they were listening to a little bit of ball beat. It, mm. it kind of does remind me a little bit of Volbeat, and it's got that heavy sort of chugging guitar uh, sound throughout the uh, track. And I, I, yeah, I, I dig it. I, I prefer if they had this as the first song mm -hmm. on the album. And uh, no, I think so, so too. Yeah. So yeah. No, thumbs up for this. So stop, thumb, two thumbs up. For All this right. Track. All right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. No complaints. Nice. Yeah. Like I, like I said, it's my favorite of the first four, but the next one comes Banshee, which is a. Uh, a real kind of throwback for the band. Right off the bat, uh, this is the most they have tried to sound like their first album since their first album. I think, and this is—I was going to say that. I was yeah. going to say that. Yeah. Um, they, uh, uh, and this goes back to the idea of like again, Paul McCartney going back and playing his his older hits and stuff, and that's fine. That's what they they've earned this. Um, it should be, yeah, sure. Track three, put it somewhere in the middle there, right? I, I wouldn't want. I, I don't know if I'd want them to do it for a whole album because like, it would just start to feel like they're wearing clothes that don't fit anymore. And actually, that's kind of might be 
this happening here. Um, I feel like the harmonies here save the the verse. We talk about verses again. Um, it's fun to hear that opening riff uh, come in under the chorus uh, later. And that opening riff is really, really, uh, again, this is a Van Halen on their sleeve kind of moment too. Um, uh, lyrically, it's fine because it kind of fits that 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 idea. Um, but again, the I think the uh, chorus um, does make me kind of bob along. Um, I'm not. Uh, it's 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 not filler, but it's not. You know, it's not a it's not a home run by any stretch in my in my uh, sat. Hey, listen, I I really dig the track. It could have been it could have been sandwiched between Kitty Ego and Teacher's Pet. Yeah. You know or, or or it could have been the B side to uh Decadent Dance. It, right. It's just yeah. that, that it's got that it's got that 88 89 90 feel to it uh, and it, hey I'm a sucker that, for that stuff. And that's so, your, yeah, that's I, your sweet spot. I I, I, I yeah, I, I dig this track and uh no, it's uh yeah, no complaints again. It's uh yeah. Okay. I dig um, it. I, I really dig it. Uh do you, uh Ted, do you feel my same thing with the uh, lyrics or with the the verse into the chorus um, maybe the, yeah the guitar is it's very like i said very kind of early van halen um and and I, one person who i i do think like i i gary sharon channels freddie mercury a lot it's, it's sometimes really overtly but i think he said if there's someone he sounds like more than anyone on this it's uh sammy hagar i think well, ironically i think that's a kind of a every once in a while i kind of hear that and this is kind of more of a Diamond Dave song with a Sammy Hagar voice. Um, and I don't like to me that's it's not it's not as as great a a mix as it could be. But that's why I think to me the harmonies make me bounce a bit more, bounce along a bit more. Um, you Banshee. I saw it. Um, I saw the music video. The first time I heard it was watching the video. So. Mm -hmm. I see the video in my head when I listen to it. Yes. It's like, I think it's like quite successful in that way. Cause the video is kind of like, I don't know. I mean, how does it's, like a band make a music video now? Like it's, how do they do it in an original way? And they didn't really try with this video. Like it's, you know, yeah. I think they tried to like put Gary in some interesting clothes Yeah, and sort of succeeded. Like it's, it's hard to dress a 61 year old rock star. And I think Gary struggles with it sometimes. Yeah. Like, like his stage gear is kind of, you know, but he, yeah. he wasn't wearing like his stage stuff. They kind of like styled him and it, right, right. it kind of, you know, he did kind of like, he was dressed kind of like David Lee Roth in the video. Right. Like mm -hmm. it's, yeah. Um, so I don't know why I'm talking about his clothes, but like, <laughs> I, I think it had like a vibe. The video had a vibe and the song had a vibe for me that I enjoyed. Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe just because I saw the video, but I think about it and I'm just like, this song is good and the song is cool. Yeah. Um, so See, yeah, I, I like it. Yeah, I mean, I like it. I don't think it reaches some of the higher uh, peaks of uh, the, of uh, the kid egos and the mothers from uh, from extreme one. No, sat. Do you think? No. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Just but, you know, it's like the second single that the Stones release off of a late Stones album. Like right. the first one's usually like pretty bang on, and the second one you're like it's a Stones track, and it sounds like them, but. Mm -hmm. you know you enjoy it but you never come back to it or put on a best of but yeah i, I think it's good i mean i think it's yeah. fine it's, yeah it's fine. it's fine it's fine it's <laughs> fine yeah. right but that's what i'm thinking like there's uh, 
you know, I'm wanting to get excited because these four tracks and the, including this next one all came out before the, the last one that we're going to look, listen to yeah. here. were like all, uh, all the ones that kind of came out before. And it, there was, you know, everything I was like, yeah, this is good. This is good. But I wasn't getting like, you know, I wasn't hitting that wasn't hitting that, uh, that scratch or scratching that itch. But well, uh, I'll so, say it like this. I was like concerned when I heard rabble and mm -hmm. rise and then like felt a little better after hearing Banshee. Okay. Like, okay. It's it just sort of like I was like, okay, the album is going here, it's going this way. Mm. This this is okay. And then it goes yeah. in a different place. Like yeah. I think those are the three most just guitar led tracks. Yeah. Electric guitar led tracks. Um, but uh, yeah, and that brings us to where they, they slow things down a bit here. It says other side of the rainbow. guitar is really nice i like uh uh when they they go full boston like the band boston i i that's something i wish they would do i could listen to them just committing to that sound for a, a thing when they when they sound like boston that's a, a i think is a really nice fit on them especially as they you know uh get older and they're uh, and wiser um but from there and i think there's kind of a really kind of birds guitar underneath this as well um but it becomes really middle of the road very quickly. Um, the build to, to the chorus has a nice vibe. Um, it reminds me of something from the uh, the second uh, side of Three Sides to Every Story. Um, and maybe, uh, and I think the, the lyrics maybe like what is this like? Who wrote that? They wrote this together. Maybe they could have thrown the lyric. This is one is just a, a Nuno and Gary uh, uh, thing they wrote together, I believe. Yeah. Maybe they could have, you know, ran it by uh, Jordan to to throw in a a little bit more because it's just so it's just you know and but now it, you when you're writing up and they're going for pure pop here, right? And when you're writing a pure pop song and and there's other songs in here that are much more pure pop and and really kind of nail it, um, you gotta have something. You gotta there's gotta be some sort of hook and to just have a thing is to uh, I've I haven't I've had some sad times and. Um, it's hard to love and but if you go with me everything will be okay and sometimes that can be all right but for what for whatever reason it doesn't feel uh too complete here for me um the chorus build is good i like the queen like bridge um yeah i like the boston but it's still kind of boston light um another a good fine solo a really fun solo uh with that uh electric guitar that again it's a little patchwork i, I feel like it could in a different song when that fun good time uh solo comes uh it might get me a little more excited but uh you know here again 
this is fine. All four of these first four tracks are fine, but I wasn't, uh, I have yet to be just kind of blown away. Um, Ted, other side of the ring. I thought kind of cheesy, kind of, I mean, I think you put it perfectly that like, it's okay to do this song, but like there has to be something interesting about it. Mm-hmm. And like the stones are good at this. Like they, they often did like, you know, there's always going to be like an acoustic stone song. It's like the formula on the record, but like mm-hmm. there, there's always something subverted. There's something interesting. There's something dark about it. There's something that's not just like, you know, like a band geek doing like a, a song at the talent show. And that's how this sounds to me. It's just yeah. very like, it's too earnest and like, although yeah. I do like what like Nuno does with the solo and the way it ramps yeah. up at the end. Like, I yeah. think that's interesting. And so it does get interesting musically, but like, it's kind of a slog, right? Like the first, the first mm-hmm. half of it is a bit, you know, it's inoffensive though. Like I just wrote inoffensive. Right. Inoffensive. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. nice. Yeah. The fine four. That's how we call these opening, <laughs> these opening track, the fine four, these opening four tracks. Um, Sat, what do you think? Other side of the rainbow. I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with that word Ted just used inoffensive. My my parents would enjoy this track. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but I don't even think like I don't even think it's but, good enough to blend in in like a dentist's office. You know what I mean? At least that has. You know, yeah. it's not at that level. But but I gotta yeah. tell you, the first twenty seconds stuck me. I'm like, oh great, they're gonna go the firehouse trickster route. I'm like, <laughs> oh, this is gonna be great. They're you know, yeah. it's like they're gonna reach into their contemporaries. Back then, fire. They were their contemporaries were Firehouse and Trickster, so I'm like, right. yes. But then, <laughs> yeah, then it got the mid '90s better than Ezra and all that right, stuff right. to me. That sort of alternative mid '90s stuff. But I mean, it's 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 a passable track, but it's not something I'm gonna um, listen for. to. You know, yeah. reach for again and again. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but Boston, but... I, I agree with you too. Like, it is a it is Boston light a little bit for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Um, as, as the song goes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like I said, and, and I was like, I, I mentioned before um, that, that I, I've, I've gotten to know that there are a lot of extreme fans out there and I've kind of got on some forums and, and chatted with different people and their different thoughts. And I can't remember, or somebody had said that this album really feels like it's split up into four or three, four tracks each, these first four, the next four, and then the last four. And yeah, I, I do think there's something to that. And so these, if that's the case, these first four, like for again, for somebody who's you know more excited about this old bad than me, I don't want to say I'm let down because I, I don't know what to expect, right? But I did was hoping that I'd have something that would kind of surprise me and show because th- that was the thing that stood out for me for Sadad Sadad's de rock um was how well that they they still understood classic rock and how to form like a, a really good classic rock song, uh, but in with with their you know playing to their strengths and stuff like this. And here I wasn't, aside from, like I said, we've got those whispers of Boston and, and some of that Van Halen and everything. It wasn't as, um, you know, they didn't feel like they were as uh, on top of things, like as much as a band can be, right? There are a bunch of a band that's been at it for as long as they they have can be in terms of just knowing that there's there's been music that's come out in the last little while. And, um, you know, to not to put something out like this and to act like that hasn't happened could be could come off you know it'll be fine but why are you doing it right ted as you say why put this album out um and and things started to change for me uh again for these next uh uh the next track here this is small town beautiful 
Right off the bat, here's what I'm talking about. A band that understands uh, uh, classic rock and their influences and where their influence is on their sleeve, but can put them together in a way that is interesting. This opens with, to me, that's a very uh, Led Zeppelin, that's the way kind of opening guitar. Um, and then uh, they do something this way. I said, this is the kind of stuff that's, you know, if you've been paying attention all these years, you know that they love to start songs with recognizable Beatles lyrics. And they do that here. And it's a, a wonderful uh, uh, attachment. Um, I like the swap of vocals again. You start to hear Nuno singing a lot more here as the, as the album goes on. Uh, and I like them going back and forth. Here's where I talk. There's just enough lyrical depth for a song like this. <clears throat> it's a, a song about a... A, a, a girl who's small town beautiful like you know that she's 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 gonna be but it's still kind of bittersweet like she deserves more and, and you know that there's something better for her um i thought it was really nice this is a very nice power ballad uh, like just what you want like this is more i guess pornography era power ballad um but to me this was great i thought it was the first real home run on the album the harmonies are wonderful again Here's something that, that I'm trying to figure out why I love this band so much and why it connected with me so much as a teen. I'm still trying to figure it out. Because as I said, I don't listen to a, I didn't listen to a lot of Guitar Gods or any of these other things like this. But they remind me at time, their harmonies remind me of a band I used to listen to with my family a lot. When we go on family vacations, it was a nitty gritty dirt band. And this kind of has that kind of old uh, country vibe to it as well, mixed in with those other uh aspects that in this case it's not it doesn't feel like more of okay let's let's try this now and let's try this i mean they are trying different things but it's it feels logical especially uh, the here the nuno solo is more kind of a purple rain kind of vibe to it but i really really like it right back into this feels like a late night summer song um um here's here's there's that bad that i've been looking for like i said the first first one that really really clicked with me small town beautiful uh sat what do you think? <clears throat> Great power ballad for sure. Mm -hmm. It's 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 exactly what I what I look for in extreme like this track, and it's I, I said before you know the previous track is you know I'd skip this this I'd actually put it on repeat for a couple of times you know it's uh, it's just a beautiful track and Gary's it's uh, Gary's shining moment. I mean a lot of these uh, singers from that era Gary's era have just. They can't cut it and it's hard it's just hard to maintain that what they had 30 years ago 30 years ago but to me gary is uh uh yeah, yeah. he's he just he's still he's still got that tone and he's still got those little and nuances that he had yeah. back in like 89 90 and and good for him and uh it's it's a solid track for sure mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Ted, uh, uh, it's my uh, my daughter's favorite song on the album. She wanted to make sure I mentioned that. Um, it's one that, you know, I, I, you know, of course, I've been playing this a lot lately. And we'll take some time off and we'll get in the car. And, and you know, she's she's into it. Like, oh, this is super sweet. Before I we'll get your, your thought of this, uh, I get to see the band live for the first time. They're playing in Seattle at the end of August. And I told her she can't come because she's not 21. And she was kind of upset. And then the other day, she's like, a little while later, she's like, I can't wait to turn 21 because then I can go see Extreme with you, Deb. <laughs> really got me. Um, nice. Uh, but yeah. Uh, Ted, did you enjoy this one as much as we did? Well, now I feel like a dick because <laughs> I didn't like it. No. No. Okay. You know, I I think it is like, to me, more and more as I listened, I was like, this is the Gary album. Like, it's this to me was about Gary Sharon. Hmm. Uh, exactly what that said is just like you know like the vocal showcase it's like even more so than on the rockers sort of like he does have the chops still to to do this mm-hmm. you know you couldn't say that of like john bon jovi or like a lot of other artists who are like right you know between like 60 and 65 like they're not doing that uh, at all paul stanley can't do it he's a little bit older but gary can so that's good but to me the composition was just like very disney musical hmm. sound and it, i just okay. i just imagined like i don't know like a vampire or a werewolf or something like that singing it like it, it's because hugo listens to like a ton of that stuff like <laughs> and so that sounds pretty awesome I, actually i go to that show whenever i hear a song that's like sounds like it's written by an algorithm i'm just like that you know they're they're formulaic i mean this was just a little bit hmm it's so you didn't exact. think it was better. You think it was better than Other Side of the Rainbow, or same same thing for you? I liked Other Side of the Rainbow more. Really, I think. crazy. Yeah. yeah. See, I th- I th- I'd say I thought this was quite a bit better. But that's why we have these chats. Uh, yeah. Anything else yeah. you want? Um. No, I mean it's inoffensive too. Like I think yes. it's you know like it's 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 fine. It's just not. Yeah, I, I had nothing else. I just said it's a bit Disney in my notes, and then yep. left it. Yeah, I got you. I got you. That's fine. Uh, and that uh, takes us into this next track, where uh, our boy pa- Pat Badger really kind of uh, takes the lead here. This is uh, the mask. So we got that uh, the aforementioned really hard baseline to uh, to start there. Um, Nuno's vocals are are we talked about? He sings a lot here. Um, gosh, I wonder if it's just I know I've heard him sing so much 
that that this feels a little extra uh, affected to me in parts. Um, but it suits the vibe. And I wonder if that's just me. I wonder if that's just me. I don't know. You guys would have to tell me. Um, but it, again, it suits the vibe. Uh, type uh, the song. Okay, it cooks. It's got a really kind of hot vibe. Um, I love when it, it strips down that j- just before, and it's kind of the pre-chorus, but kind of the chorus before the the bigger one. Just what we heard there, where you just hear the bass and and uh, uh, Gary. I really like that. Uh, I like the chorus a lot. I really love. Uh, it's got this hot drive throughout. Um, and again, when they're again, the harmony's kicking in again when it's the what you imagine, like everybody all together. That's the kind of yeah, there's my guys. Um, um, it, it's it's all of the oh, this is really more than any uh, of the so a lot of the old elements really blended together. This is uh, probably the most, I guess, this and the next track are the most to come at having that kind of funk that that they had. Like, and when I say this, like, like my buddy Johnny, like, how do you call this funk? It's not, it's not. It's not like Parliament Funkadelic, right? It's not that kind of funk. It's more like like uh, uh, Nuno's talked about how he loves uh, uh, Pat Travers uh, as like one of his like guitar gods. And when you listen to that in his songs, like um, that's the kind of funk uh, that uh, Nuno or and Extreme have kind of gone for when they go for it. And I like I like it here and it, and it, and it works. Um, yeah, this felt like uh, uh, a nice little highlight here for me. Uh, Ted, what do you think? Um, I'm sorry, Travis. I didn't like this one either. Okay, that's cool. Um, to me, this was a Headstones track, and I just kept laughing when I was listening to it. Because I was like, this sounds to me like the Headstones. I'm sure it's a Headstones song. But I, I knew it was like, you know, singing. I knew it was extreme playing, but I just heard like That's a, who it is. That's who it is. It's the late singer of hardcore logo. Yeah. A Headstones, like, mid-career album track. Yeah, and, it, and then, but I do like the dynamic thing they do, like which the headstones would never have done because they were like kind of dumb, right? Like the, the this <laughs> does the the up and down thing, and I like the quiet part. That's mm-hmm. you know, like I said, they always do something interesting. Like you can kind of count on them to like you'd be like, oh, that's that's something. There's something there. Like the tell me who you are thing is good, but like the the verses to me, I said the verses are a problem all the way through the record for me. But like mm. this verse is yeesh. Yeah, no, this is no, and this is for me. yeah, yeah. This is and this is you know that kind of back and forth. He's done that his whole career, kind of thing. This is a not a you know this and that uh, kind of thing. Sure, I can get the kind of being a little sick of that. Um, um, but yeah, no, it was enough for me. And especially by the time I got to the chorus, Sat, I know you like this song. Uh, how do you know, Travis? How yes. do you know? First of all, I, I want to say how awesome it is that we're talking about the heads that we mentioned the headstones in 2023 it's, yes, yes. it's I, i'm not being sarcastic I, I i dug the headstones and you know and i yeah i think it's great. thank you ted uh i <laughs> dig the mask it's a good uh it's a good middle of the album track uh hard solid track and it uh harkens back to the uh old funk they had on the uh quote-unquote funk that they had on the second record Mm-hmm. Um, and I dig it. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I love the bass. Me too. It's nice and thick. Uh, the drummer's in the pocket. Uh, no complaints. Yeah, the mask. Uh, all right, and that brings us to mm, if we're gonna call these rockers, this is probably my favorite rocker on the album, "Thicker Than Blood."
Thicker Than Blood. That's the name of the tour, by the way. So I, I'm pretty certain we're going to see it live. And I'm excited to see it live. Like I said, I really, really like the, the uh, how hard this one goes. Um, uh, following the vibe from uh, The Mask, it gets, uh, I think it gets a little harder. Uh, I love that distorted guitar, that, uh, distorted guitar that comes in. It reminds me of it. Again, you know, uh, you know, when I first, this is when I was first getting to know Ted, how much I loved YouTube uh, pop, right? That, that ugly uh, edge guitar kind of sound there that's really distorted. Um, it gets uh, electronic throughout uh, during the chorus and with that really whispers of um, those harmonies again, uh, that are just under, uh, uh, I love the, gu the guitar under that, that, again, that really ugly guitar that really distorted underneath that kind of equally distorted love is all you need. Um, um this is that extreme funk song but again with a, a this has a bit of a kind of a different twist they wouldn't have had as many bleeps and bloops uh back around porno graffiti but i like it feels like a good fit this may be my favorite uh electric solo on the album i feel like it fits best when it comes in because all of a sudden it's like this kind of like it's like like just it feels like it's just plugged into a a stanky ass um amplifier or something but it's but it, it feels nice at least to me i love the live crowd at the end like i said this is something i really want to see live uh uh sat thicker than uh, i would have i would have dug the track if they if they just took off the layers that sort of econoline crush stabbing westward mid uh, you know mid mid late 90s quote-unquote industrial but like radio i know i know i know you know and uh and so, no, it totally reminded me of, of those, that sort of era. And uh, it's it kind of reminds me of a lot of, ex and not only Extreme did it, but something happened in the mid-90s where, uh, how do I say this? Those, those 80s rock bands that we loved so much, they, they took that sound and they just completely left it behind and they they yeah. decided to, and Motley Crue was a brig. I mean, if you listen to John Crabbe, Motley the Crabbe Crue album from 94, they did the same thing. They took whatever was happening in the mid '90s, that grunge industrial thing, and they, that's all they did. And it, their past sound was just like it was just a shadow. It was it wasn't mm -hmm. even there. And that's what this track reminds me of. It doesn't it doesn't feel like extreme, um, but I like I said in the beginning, if you took the, those those that layered uh, industrial tinges mm -hmm. off the track, it might be mm -hmm. you know a little bit passable for me. But yeah, I just. Okay. I can't get I, I can't get past that. See, to me, that. to me, to me, that having having that extra kind of stuff for them that hadn't been there, and I guess uh, people have talked about. I think this is stuff that you would have heard on Nuno's solo album, or these types of sounds. Uh, and tell about for me on that because he's one of my three friends that I convinced him to get it. Um, and so I'm I'm kind of more into that, right? Like I kind of want I want him to to try out uh, this goofy shit. Uh, and yeah, uh, you know. That might just be our 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 thing. Uh, Ted, what did you think? Thicker than blood. 
Yeah, I wrote in my notes, this is the Nuno solo album song. Mm -hmm. um, I just categorized everything as either good or bad. And <laughs> this, this one I said was bad. Uh, to me, it was like the music that's playing in the movie scene when they go into a club and the director wants you to know that it's like, this is a hard place. Yeah. It's like, it's a like hard scene. And like the villain sitting that. The, the villain is sitting at the back and extreme is the band on stage. And like <laughs> the Pollyanna, like side, the sidekick is like, wow, this is some loud music. Yeah. And, you know, the protagonist is like unfazed. Yeah. Right. Well, this this is your me, kind yeah. of place is your kind of place. You know, it's yeah. It's yeah, kind of yeah. like that that I think Zach captured it very well, like a very nineties sort yeah. of like industrial thing that everyone did. But then like what you say is true, like Extreme actually didn't do it. So mm -hmm. Nuno did it. So maybe Nuno is just like there are fans of my album that are still out there who and like his follow-up like his fault like he had follow-up bands called the drama gods uh population yeah. one and morning widows and i think they all had a lot of that as well um so yeah i i yeah i i i hadn't really looked at it through like a, the idea of a 90s sound to me it's just fun bleeps and bloops but i i see what you're saying guys um uh, very Ursius exit, right, Travis? Very Ursius exit. No, that's later. That's later. Uh, and that leads us uh, into another uh, song that, uh, again, I love this opening, um, but um, we got some other, uh, th it goes off in different directions. Save me. And that one, you know, kind of trudges along from there. But uh, it, 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 like I said, I like that opening. This again, it, like it has these these moments. This reminds like, and this is something that they'd have in the past. Like their songs of theirs on on three sides. Like our father has a really really cool sounding guitar opening, and and it doesn't really explore it again. Just kind of abandon it. This one they don't abandon that. Like I found that opening really interesting. I love that sound. I want them to just stick with that. Um, but then it gets to that guitar that's really kind of sludgy during the verse. I I don't mind the chorus because it, it reminds me, like, I don't know what it is. Like, it gets a certain type of nostalgia that I feel of, like, hanging out in record stores and flipping through stuff before I knew you, Sat. Like, this again, when we we're younger, when record stores when it was a big deal. I'm going to buy a CD here today. You know what I mean? And you just hear this kind of uh, playing in the background. And that's I kind of, there's something about that chorus that I like, and I kind of want to live there for a day or two. Um but it just really suffers from a sloggy verse. Um, another solo comes. Harmonies from the opening do come in a bit, but they're really buried at the end. Um, this one is felt more like 
again, aside from that course that I really, really like, and and again, it's a nice, another really great solo. Um, this one was kind of a miss for me. Uh, Sat, what do you think? Save me. Uh, I dig it. It's uh, it's almost like Nuno's channeling Dimebag. Okay, okay. It, it, it feels like that 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 uh, sort of Dimebag Daryl. He's got that edge to it, and mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I don't mind it. It's it's not to me. It's I think they. How do I? It's. It doesn't. It it doesn't fit well with the whole as a in the whole this whole album. It kind of sticks out, but it's it's passable for me for okay. sure. I I wouldn't I wouldn't skip over it. Uh, yeah, okay. not bad. All right, get... Ted. I know I got to, I got a I, I was lucky enough to get a glimpse at one of your uh, some of your notes, and I know that this falls <laughs> into the category of bad. Uh, save yes. me, save me. I I think my note you just said unpleasant. <laughs> I found it unpleasant to listen to this song. Um, do, do you like that opening? Yeah. That opening, the the uh, uh, like, does that sound interesting to you at least? Like that kind yes, of stuff. Yes, but but I mean that it doesn't have anything to I do know, with the I song know, that know, comes after. So yeah, um, it's a bit of a shame. Yeah, I think that's right. It just sticks out. It, it shouldn't have been on the record. Like it should have been like like put it out as something else. If it's interesting or a single or a mm -hmm. you know a B side. But on, right. on the on the album. It could have been like four minutes shorter and it'd be okay with me. Yeah, I hear you. That is one of the longer ones on here. They don't have any of those epic. They have one epic uh, that gets pretty close to being epic here and, and we're going to get to it. But this yeah. kind of finishes off uh, that kind of second four, second four. So we've got those first four here that we were kind of mad about. This one, to me, it's like it feels like we're definitely kind of more hits than misses for sure for me uh, than I felt in the beginning there and one that really stood out or two, like I said, Small Town Beautiful and Thicker Than Blood are two that I really, really like from that first one. But then it's track nine. And like I said, I want to hope that, they, that they're going to do something interesting. I want to hope that they're going to do something that's going to hit me in the heart. That's going to feel like, you know, take me back or whatever. I, you know, hope that, that they're going to do something that's going to move me. And then along comes this song. This is uh, Hurricane. One, two, three, four. Brand new day, nothing to hide God, it feels like yesterday Remember we'd be drinking wine Talking, sing, stopping time We just melt away So, yeah, like when the, as soon as this starts, I'm like, remember I talked about kind of wanting to live for a day or two in that in the chorus for Save Me, just because of the, it took me back to the, um, you know, a time in the past, a very specific time. Here, I could I could live in this song forever. Very rise and shine kind of vibe at the beginning, uh, but not as overly heavy handed as that third side gets. Um, this is written. This is a song that that Gary had nothing to do with. It's written by, uh, in terms of songwriting. Uh, Nuno Betancourt and Eric Warfield, who also helped with the next track. Um, um, 
I I just I I I fucking love this song. This is my favorite song in the album. Um, just the right amount of pathos. Uh, it suits them. It suits their age. It suits today's music scene. It feels like they. It feels like an old classic rock uh, song. Um, and I love the comp the competence of when it goes to the chorus here, which I which is the best best solo on the album because it's so all of a sudden he's subdued and restrained. You know what I mean? And it, oh my gosh, it's wonderful. But he gives that little you can hear it just that kind of all right, you know, kind of thing just before he goes into it. And that's the kind of shit that just melts my fucking heart. This is such a a, a competent classic that's what i have written down here the last bit of harmonies before the last verse when i heard this for the first time this made me cry um then and right after that's happening i hearing those harmonies again at the end the sh the string section comes in at the end with this big flourish at the end it is precisely i mean it's i like i said i don't know what i'm going to get when they put something out and i don't know if they're going to hit something that's really going to touch me but this really really touched me emotionally so sweet so surprising um uh I, I i it's 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 like i said it does sound like a rise and shine but it also like the way they move around their their harmonies in this song it's almost like an, an elliot smith song um or like it's like oh okay you know it, it's like when you're thinking back to banshee it's like if all you guys been doing is listening to to 1984 again and again or or whatever but now it's like, oh, okay, you know, Iron and Wine exists. You know, Father John Misty is is a thing. You know what I mean? I I was super. I just love this. Um, Ted Hurricane. It's very good. Mm -hmm. I I thought it was really, um, quite quite unique and beautiful. Um, I think they really needed one really yeah. good ballad on on the album or you ex you'd expect that they would right. try right right that, you know it's and it's you know maybe it's not a perfect composition like more than words um i listened to this and then i listened to more than words and i was like they're not the same thing mm. um but it is very very good um sometimes when i listen to stuff i try to think about other bands doing a song like could could another band do this song or what would another band sound like and so I was thinking about Guns N' Roses, mm. who like eventually will we'll do an album and they'll try to do one pretty song and it won't be as good as this. Like mm. they, I don't think that they could do it. I don't, you know, Poison is not really a, a recording thing anymore, but like Poison, you know, think about like every band that had. That had, yeah. yeah. You know, they, they were all like rock bands and then they all sort of like, we were talking about this over text a while back, right? They, they all like, was it you and me? I think the, so. yeah. these bands kind of like soared with like one you know if you hit it out of the park you were like gazillionaires yeah and like yeah. extreme did it you know maybe they didn't get that rich but like it, it catapulted them and like yeah. so to do it again is like pretty pretty cool like yeah you know i, I think it's hard to do yeah and, and and not have it sound like you know the like earlier you're, acoustic like you're trying to recapture yeah 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 like, like it's better than than small town beautiful mm -hmm. yeah right yep. it's it's yep. it's different it's better um mm -hmm. i was really impressed with it yeah. really cool song yeah cool. sat hurricane i like this track it, it um it, it harkens back to kansas i hear kansas mm -hmm. i hear that that vibe that not the 80s but more like the 70s acoustic yep. mid late 70s acoustic rock yeah and it's it's a classy track there's nothing cheesy about it you know they 
some people say, oh, it's just you know, the power ballad, and that always gets, you know, labeled from like that late 80s power ballad mm-hmm. era. But to me, it's, it goes beyond that. And I it's think a good so track, too. for sure. Yeah. 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 There's something about like hitting, talking about when the crow calls out my name that is so, again, there's these guys, they recognize that they're not going to be able to keep putting out music, right? There's a really sweet uh, awareness of time. And, you know, I, uh, when I walk my daughter to, to school there's this crow that calls out to me every day um i hate him (laughs) i hate him so much he's so loud and he recognizes me and he won't shut up um i was just really really moved by this song um i'm glad you guys like it uh so let's go to uh the follow-up track uh x out uh here we go to the chorus there but this is i got a big departure for them if that if uh, i'm curious to see what seth thinks about this if he, if he wasn't mad about the bleeps and bloops in the other one this is all bleeps and bloops um but okay. i i love this vibe dude um i think this is this is when they get into that more heavy-handed stuff with with uh and this is gary and nuno and again two of those the the ferrera chap and da, 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 uh, eric warfield again the guy who had helped on on hurricane um I think getting a little darker and stuff, it doesn't get as like kind of like tell me Jesus, are you angry kind of thing that we got in in three sides when it got a little too heavy handed. This is about got being in hell and sorting shit out. I really like this. I really, I, I, I actually, I fucking love this song. Uh, it feels uh, again, it feels aware of modern music. I love the vibe in the chorus. Um, it's more art, arty, and I like their arty stuff. So I wanted some arty stuff, but it isn't. Um, it isn't uh, overly. Uh, Sharon really steps up big time. I like he's kind of going for like a Tom York kind of kind of drone. Good. Like, why not, man? Um, I, I I like this is the longest song on the album. I wanted it to be long. This is a song that should be long, right? It feels like it's it's kind of like a a fucking journey. There's a uh, here's a again something that would click with me is there's a Macbeth shout out about full of sound and fury signifying nothing. Of course, I. I famously was in a uh, a film that referenced that play when I was in in college, so I have connections to that song. Um, uh, I can't imagine them playing this live. I don't know how they could, but I'd love to see it. Um, yeah, um, this evidence of musicians who are confident with what they bring. I like that. the The solo is super welcome here too. I love when this one comes. Um, 
And this fights for me for the best solo in the album with Thicker Than Black, best electric solo uh, on the album. But this comes at a right time. Uh, finishes with that piano. Um, some I love the Nuno vocals that come late in this song. This is what I mean. I would have done a nine-minute version of this. Again, that's just me. But uh, six minutes or just under six here, five fifty. Abrupt finish uh, that kind of just like kind of cuts to black. Um, yeah, I was into this. Uh, Sat, I'm going to ask you first. What do you think? X out. If you re if you replace the if you replace the English lyrics to German, it would be a Rammstein song. Yeah. I would be a B-side for the second round. It would be Duhast B-side. Yeah, fine. I know nothing about that. I like Ramstein. it. I dig it. Yeah. I, and it, well, you should. We'll do a deep dive one day. Anyway, Great. I think that um, I think that uh, I, I like the I, I like this track. I, I'm I listened to it the first time I listened to it. I was like, eh. and then the second time it just it changed. I was like, I don't know. I, I it, it was the second attempt that did it for me, and, mm -hmm. and I actually. Only the first time I listened to it, I listened to it like half of the first, but I went and listened to the song all the way through. And I was like, this is a, this is, it's a departure, but mm -hmm. I think it's good. It's, it's good a grower, a grower, not a yeah. shower. Yeah. For sure. Right. For sure. Yeah. Right. Dig the track. Uh, Teddy, what do you think? Um, I, I put this one in the third category, just very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's different than everything else on the record. So kind of fresh from you know everything else that comes before uh i i really like i mean you called it the chorus it might it, i thought it was a bridge because it sounds but although there's right you might be right yeah 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 it's, it's not a bridge because it doesn't go to a chorus but like, I, know, I think yeah. that's really interesting it sounds like kind of like the who like some of like electronic like sequence stuff that they did hmm. um i like the vocal thing that that gary does while I think it's Nuno is thinking X out, X out, and yeah. Gary's doing something interesting behind it. Right. Um, I, I became more and more convinced as I heard you talking about it. Um, I was just like, you know, I thought about the bands that you guys have both mentioned, and I hadn't thought about that because I was just thinking about Extreme, listening to this one going, this doesn't sound like Extreme. But yeah, I mean, it's why not do something different and interesting? Like, it's it, it's mm -hmm. good that they did this. It's It's... I agree. You know, I, I think it's really positive for them yeah. that, that this is there. Yeah. And and like, again, this goes back to me when, when Three Sides comes out and all of a sudden they're trying something really unique and try, yeah. trying something really ambitious. So if they can throw in something like that, th this is the close yeah. it gets to. Like, yeah, I mean, that's going to uh, scratch an itch for me and, and really kind of click. Um, cool. And then, holy cow, here we go. Track 11. Beautiful, Bring it girl.
Uh, yeah. So after coming off something that's like got these uber heavy, like kind of, you know, self uh, existential, like looking at certain shit out, they come with the the lightest and sweetest song, maybe in their catalog, maybe in their history. Definitely the most uh, just pure pop. Uh, and again, I think this is just pop tastic. What a surprise! Uh, uh, is it dudes who don't give a fuck and get what makes a good song? They get what makes a good pop song. They totally understand. Uh, it's super cute. There's a really great, again, there's a talk about this being written uh, by someone who, so this is somebody who, this is Carl Restivo is part of this with Gary Sharon and Jay Plotsky, whoever that is. But Carl Restivo is a guy who's worked with uh, a lot of people, Nuno know him from before. Um, um, and and I guess, yeah, uh, he's a guy who wrote King of the Ladies on the previous album, or, or had helped with them before. Um, but this... Uh, Again, this shows th there's a line about maybe New York City where you first kissed me, which is a reference to porno graffiti. And there's a million miles reference, which is a, a reference to their previous album. It's It's got all those cute little things that they're throwing in, Easter eggs and everything. But here's where uh, I think Gary Sharon reminds me of uh, Sammy Hagar, but in a great way, because it kind of suits this as though it's kind of like on a beach with uh, uh, Margarita, the way Sammy Hagar looks now kind of thing. Um, it's such a fun jam. And, and just... Like if somebody, you know, because I, I, like I said, I, I'm on forums with people who want those first four tracks. They want just uh, hard rock and and or whatever, right? A guitar led thing and, and are not happy that this album or this song showed up on the album. But it's it's got the stuff. It's got a total. The solo is a total uh, Brian May style solo, which is, again, extreme and queen. Like if you hey, you can't get mad at them for them. They're doing queen. You know what I mean? That's been their, their bread and butter the whole time. But I love that. That's a really uh, cute solo in there. And they go that way with it. And Nuno's got a little rap at the end. That's pretty sweet. That's adorable. I just think uh, track nine to 11. Um, really, really big standouts for me. Beautiful girls. Uh, how can you not love it? Ted. It's good. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, to me, it sounded like a like a late Beach Boys Mike Love track. Hmm. You know, like everything Mike Love claimed to have written sounds exactly like this. So it's like people just write it for him. And, then, you know, this is what a Mike Love track should sound like. And it's, it's very good. Um, there's a reason people like it because it's yeah. like it's happy and it's light and it's nice after a lot of the rest of the album feels heavy like it's you know mm -hmm. some of it's heavy in a good way and that, i don't yeah. just mean like the heavy sound but there's like it's like heavy with expectation and like they're trying so hard and you know like it, they're trying to like knock it out of the park so badly and then the, you kind of like get this sigh of sort of like relief and it's fun and you, you don't have to like think about this one you don't have to like debate it like there's really nothing to debate it's just yeah. like it's just kind of a Beach Boys song. And it's, yeah. it's, I like it. Yeah, Sat, I know you're a fan as well. Yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna take my time with this track review. Okay, okay, bear with me. Uh, this to me saved the album for me. It's at the end, which is amazing. And how do I say this? To me, it's like it's an ode to "Beautiful Girls" from Van Halen. I know, I know for a fact, Nuno worships the ground that Van Halen. Yeah, you know, yeah. and this path. and this in the and, and, uh, in and, the liner notes, he specifically like mentions him. I think I shared that with you and talked about how much this album's for him. I should mention quickly there is a quick. Uh, there's a line: "Every king must die in rise," and then it's a a clear reference to a, a Van Halen riff that that uh, Nuno throws in really quickly, which is a nice touch this, too. 
Yeah, yeah, and and to me, this could have easily been off the first. Uh, this could have been the eleventh track off the first wow. Hill album, if, uh, if, yeah, or, yeah. or the, or the yeah. second, you know. And 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 it, to me, it, it harkens back to that light, fun where you, you it's you, it's you can just get into the track. There's nothing to prove, and and to, to me, it's if the world wasn't about streams it's all about streams these days yeah, yeah but yeah. but if it it's all about streaming but if it, if this song came out in the in the 90 in the 80s or 90s or the early 2000s where it was about record sales mm -hmm. and everything was, was based upon sound scan and selling millions of records these guys four guys each would have bought a house with just this song i think you might be right because think... this album this album would have sold if this album came out in 1996 five or 90s anytime in the 90s it would have sold three four million easy just off this track alone yeah, yeah. and i'm going to give you guys a little bit of a trivia an extreme trivia and uh okay. so when extreme holds the record for back in the uh, back in the cd vinyl days they used to have you could go into a record store if you bought the album you didn't like it you could return it yes. well the second album the second the the second album um I'm having a brain for porno graffiti. Porno graffiti. Porno graffiti. That holds. I recently discovered that that holds the record of of the most purchased albums that were returned because all these all these soccer mm -hmm. moms and all these you know pop radio fans bought that album solely based on more than words. More than words and yeah. they, once they found out that that album sounded nothing like more than were the whole, the rest of the 10 tracks they return the album so that that album holds the record of most it's the most returned record i've heard this story a million times you, uh, ezra ezra you, koenig just, ezra koenig uh, talked about it on time crisis because it's just I like just, hey you, you, uh, you, you, uh, like because he just imagined uh like again that, that woman or that soccer mom you're talking about oh what's the name of that uh that album with that has that really pretty song oh it's called porno graffiti <laughs> You know? Yeah. Uh, so I yeah. So I know I just you know you you say you've heard that story a few times. I I just heard it recently, read about it, and uh, yeah. I wasn't surprised because you know I love that record and yeah, yeah, yeah. it sounds nothing like more than words to me. This is sort of similar. This album this doesn't sound the rest of the entire record doesn't sound anything like Beautiful Girl. No, no. It's but true. I can see people purchasing this album because of this track. Yeah, that would if be this nice. was yeah. if if if, if there the was in the era. Pushed, of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if the yeah. record company pushed this Gosh. to radio. Gosh, this imagine if they would have come out with this as their first single. Like everyone well, listen, it's 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 June. Out. This would this this would have been a summer hit. Because it is like I you can you can see younger people singing this song, and then it could like conceivably be a real big hit. But there's a well, which leads me to the last question or question I have is that you can hear a kiss at the end of the song. Is that one of the four members of the band? And is that a little weird? <laughs> doing that kiss. Like, do you remember when you when you'd say goodnight to your dad when you were really young and you'd give your dad a kiss late at night? Uh like when you're when you're really young, you know. I don't I don't give my dad a kiss anymore. I haven't kissed my dad in quite a few years. <laughs> but but that, that's kind of thing I would imagine with that that kind of kiss coming at the end there from one of these guys. I don't know. Uh, but I mean it's a nice touch, another cute little thing at the end there. Uh Sat, anything else you want to add to Beautiful Girls? No, I, like I said, I, I I said what needed to be said. It's just yes. yeah, to me, to me, to me, it's it's it saved the album for me. Great. So. Awesome. And that brings us to the final track, uh a, a fitting closer. This is Here's to the Losers.
Uh, so right away, this feels like a closer right off the bat. Um, they've kind of got those fun kind of Boston boys sports lyrics at the beginning. Uh, or the kind of sport references. I like it. It really suits it. Um, uh, one, I like the minor key, the builds to the chorus. Um, the chorus, it is fun, of course. Um, but it feels like four to five listens before you can kind of figure out everything that they're, they're saying. It doesn't, It I, like, there's certainly, I love that. It's all bittersweet. Um it's a really, uh, really tremendous uh, closing song. I just think, for what they're going for with that, with that, with that chorus in the middle there, it needs to be a little bit more memorable and easy to sing, um, like a, almost like a take me out to the ball game uh, kind of thing there, which it does. Uh, um, um, the solo's nice too. I like it, 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 this one. It feels a bit more. It doesn't feel like they've tacked on. It's like we've kind of walked in on Nuno. Uh, um, uh, just kind of uh, playing around. It's really nice. Uh, he gets it. So Gary does a key change at the end here to kind of really kind of remind you that we're kind of hitting the home stretch. But I would have gone to, I would have gone a little further here. I would have, again, I, I think you could have added another kind of here's to like, like, why not? Why not, you guys? Like, it's been 15 effing years, but they do still kind of lean into it. Uh, still a really nice finish. And at finishing with Gary Sharon going full Mercury, like, here's to the losers. And we already knew that this was by the name of the, the title, that it was going to be a, some sort of a Queen reference. But this is a band who, as Brian May has said himself, more than any band on this planet that understands what Queen's all about, um, they they this feels like a fitting homage. Um, uh, and it's a really nice touch here. After after it ends with that, we we it fades out for a minute. And we get a bunch of just loud. It's it's for me. It's like again, this is a shout out to the fans um, who have stuck with these guys who have had their ups and downs, and you just get to hear. It, it sounds like a bunch of people singing in a bar, and it's a really really. Uh, sweet send off um it had me smiling um this is a great is a really good song a really good uh uh closer here i just uh, my one issue with it is i wish that the you know i still have to kind of look it up but like what is that a winner knows what it takes to lose a loser what it takes to win does that mean does the loser know what it takes to win um and and, and then the, like um but, 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 but here's to the losers and here's to the ones who fall 
fall in. See, I thought it was fall and, and it's like, get up. You're not the only, get up. You're one of the many. Chin up, there are no excuses. Drink up, here's to the losers. And, and but it, 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 it pulls itself up, right? But it is, I don't know, it doesn't feel as, and like I said, I really like it. I really, really like this song. I just think that chorus could uh, have something that just feels something that you're going to remember it the first time you're hearing it. Because I think that's what they're really going for with this song. Uh, am I off base here, uh, Ted? Does that make sense to you? Yeah, but I think you're being too hard on them. Okay, okay, I okay. I mean, you know, I think you're too close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Travis, like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think you're too close to the band. And, you know, for me, from a, like a considerable distance from the band, like, obviously, this is a track about Extreme. Yes, yes, yes. And about their fans. So, like, mm. you get, that's really obvious. But I, I just thought it made them so likable. I do too. Uh, and to, no, to finish the track, you know, because um, if you know anything about them, you know that they've like they certainly have dropped the ball and they've lost a lot, mm-hmm. like alongside some of the the big victories, right? Um, and th- there's something really bittersweet about the band, like yeah. about their history, about where they are right now. Um, even their return, like on this album, it's it's kind of bittersweet. Like it's it's late. Like you you reference their ages, right? We've talked about it. Like it's it's kind of late in the day for them, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's so you know we're both like forty five, forty six years old. So if you think about like fifteen years from now, and and how different your life might be from like forty five to sixty, like to come back to it at sixty. It's it's sort of like those years in between. It's like yeah. I find that really like emotional yeah yeah um, i hear you to, to think you. about like aging out of that because 15 years from now they're not probably gonna do it right i know i know so i always think about things in like like equal blocks like that and so i, I think it's i think it's a really emotional song mm-hmm. um i think this return for them like I, I kept asking the question and we talked about it like why why are they doing this what what's the album for um and it's not a victory lap, right? Right. Because you couldn't couldn't really say that this is like a, you know, the culmination of their career, that their career like crescendo to here. Like it is a return. Um, but it's, you know, it's like, it's a strong return. And so it's like, there's something defined about the track. And I think they know that they've like returned in a, in a strong way, that, that they've done something real here. I think they feel proud of it. Like they seem yeah. proud on the track. It seems like they are proud of themselves. Um, I want to talk about the Smashing Pumpkins one more time because I think okay. the, the two bands play with the same sort of defiance. I, I I think that like the Pumpkins are not at the height anymore. I think they they can fill an arena. Or Extreme probably can't. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there's something about them like doing it at 60 or 55, which, which is kind of defiant and important. Yeah. Uh, and at the last, uh, the last pumpkin show I was at, they, they did a, a last song and then Billy Corgan and I think maybe James Eha came out and, and they stood for applause in front of a banner that said, we are here now, mm. like big, big words. Yeah. And you're, you're kind of like, yeah, like it ha- they have to do it now. Like this is all they have. Yeah. It's and it, it's like that's, that's what I mean about like the fifteen years later. Like they they might not have five more years, and they might not have one more tour after this one. Yeah, 
And so I, I think it's really like, it is like bittersweet, but it's kind of like, it's like life too. Like it's, it's yeah. what you get. Like this, this is it. This, this might be it. And mm-hmm. that's, it's kind of like tough, tough to accept, but like mm-hmm. you could also celebrate it. Right. And I think that's sure. what they're doing. Yeah. So I don't yeah. know. I, I told you earlier today, I was like very emotional about this song. Yeah. And I, I thought that like the whole thing was like quite, quite an emotional finish. Cool. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, that's great. And I'd love to hear you you say that about them and your perspective here. Um, it is it is a, a, a real self-awareness, I think. Uh, Sat? I think it's a good, uh, a good song to end the record. It's melancholy. So it has a, sort of a melancholy feel to it. And uh, when I was talking about the previous track, Beautiful Girls, I said it saved the record. I was kind of getting overly excited. I think it's the record is actually doesn't need to be saved. It's a good, it's a good song. It's a good record. It actually gets better. Uh, if there was a side A and side B, I think the side B is, oh, yeah. uh, is, is, is better. It, it gets better as it, as it goes along. Uh, I think one takeaway I have after listening to this record is that I don't think either Gary and Nuno can, I think they need each other. And I think that, you know, whether it's, it's, um, you know gary doing the van halen record in 99 or nuno doing his solo stuff i, I know i listened to i was there's something missing from either of those uh, you know when they do their their outfits without each other i always think there's this element missing and i think this album kind of proves it i think the takeaway for me is like these two like need one another and i think they are the sort of you know there's you have axel and slash whether it's axel slash slash or maker keith or whatever whatever you want to pick yeah but i i that that team right lennon mccartney i think that the gary and nuno it's just like when they're together they it's just this force and they yeah. they have they, they bring the best out in each other and i, I think so and i think they need each other yeah and that's yeah. The, the takeaway that i get from the from listening to this album. yeah yeah all right that's uh, yeah well said um and uh that I, I, now that you've given your 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 thoughts on the on the full album, can you give me? This is what I'm going to be asking. Well, we're going to try to figure out the canonical pop six of of six, um, and I'll be asking different uh, uh, guests throughout the, this season to give me either their top three or whatever. Basic. I, I want to get to six, but for you guys, since it's the opening year, I want you to give me your top six for six. If you've are from six, if you've got that in front of you, there, Seth. Uh, I'm gonna go with G's uh, Banshee. Small we're gonna go- Town Beautiful, okay. The Mask, uh, Hurricane, um, Beautiful Girls, and Here's to the Losers. All right. And uh, Ted, and that, that was in uh, you know, uh, whatever order. Uh, Ted, what do you think? Do okay. You yeah, mine's, mine's in order. So number okay. one, Hurricane. Two, Here's to the Losers. Three, Beautiful Girls. Four, Rebel. Five, Other Side of the Rainbow. Uh, and six, X Out. Okay, so I'll go backwards. Uh, my, my number six was Rebel. Number five, Thicker Than Blood. Four, Small Town Beautiful. Three, Beautiful Girls. Two, X Out. And number one, uh, the song that, yeah, the only song that, that made me weep, uh, Hurricane. Um, wow, thanks, guys. We did it. Uh, they did it. They 15 years later, Extremes finally put out an album. Uh, a new album. Um, I got to talk about it uh, with two of my best buds, and I'm and I'm and I'm gonna get to go see them live for the first time in my life, which is crazy. At the end of this summer, um, thanks again, you guys. Uh, anything uh, you want to say on the way out? Thanks for having me, Travis. Uh, and uh, yeah, this is this is an awesome. Uh, just uh, going through this track by track with you and Ted, and uh, it's, it was uh, it's a great experience for me. Yeah. 
Cool. Awesome. Teddy? Yeah, thanks, guys. I enjoyed this. It's nice to talk about an album that just came out. Like when Travis and I met last time, we talked about three sides. And it was, it. you know, it was yeah, looking back. Fresh. So it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a cool moment. So cool. I'm happy for you, Travis. Hey, thanks, bud. Thanks. Thanks for joining, everybody. And uh, yeah, well, hopefully we will see you all very soon. Bye-bye. ideas that I might have about guests I'm going to have on and, and how things are going to go. And, you know, I, I just knew that I, I had to go with, with Sat and Ted for this. And, and yeah, I mean, obviously they did not disappoint, but boy, um, hearing uh, Ted explain um, uh, here's to the losers there at the end is really, you know, more that you can hope for. That level of poignance uh, is you know, the reason why I get to, you know, not get to, or why I choose to, to do this kind of thing is to hope uh, that you can, you know, reach that, that level of, of just chit chat through talking about, um, the art and the stuff that we like, or, 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 you know, like to varying degrees. It's, um, it's really great. That was really, really special. I love it. So happy. Uh, and we got to keep this train rolling. So we will be back uh, soon. Like I said, the plan is to have, and I'm rethinking this. I originally uh, tweeted that I was going to do a five-episode season. But if this, is, if this is the extreme six season, I kind of feel like I need to add one more. But we'll see. And we'll see what the summer holds for us. Um, uh, because a lot of things happen. And, uh, you know, I, I, I am off for for boom after this kind of season finale but until september and so that gives me a little more time but um you know i am uh do have other uh, you know obligations that that are starting to pop up as well so who knows um but yeah we will be back uh with our next one for sure uh we'll be joined by uh, two dear friends uh, uh marta wesselhoff and brian fukushima to talk about uh another video game um episode we're going to talk about the Legend of Zelda series. Uh, obviously, everybody has been playing Tears of the Kingdom a lot lately, myself included. But we were we want to get into it and do a, a big uh, kind of look at the whole thing, uh, similar to what um, we had done in a previous episode here on Super Mario Brothers. So we're uh, really excited about that. Uh, and that after that, I really I'm joined by two of my buddies, and this gives me a, a chance to give a plug: um, uh, Kelly Nelson and Johnny Hedgepeth. And we're going to look at 1985 NWA Worldwide uh, Wrestling um, for a number of reasons. I mean, this wasn't part of my youth, but it was a big part of Johnny's youth. And um, I want, and I've been uh, fortunate to, to be watching these with Johnny and Kelly on my uh, my other show, Mystery Titans Theater. It's uh, live every other Saturday. Twitch.tv slash Jarvis Washing Machine. Look for that. Uh, what we do is we watch old wrestling cards with old friends, uh, and new friends too. Uh, uh, and you know, people we've never met. It's really, it's been so fun and we've got a really we're building up a following. We've got a Patreon now. If you want to look into that, all sorts of, uh, 
of, of fun extra things if you if you are an mtt head that that's where you gotta go uh but mystery titan theater yeah so so we've been watching this uh these old 85 worldwide uh tapes uh with johnny and, and it's and it's been a, a real revelation some of the talent that i'd never heard of but also some where you're seeing them some who have gone on to become legends you're seeing uh, an early uh earlier in their career some who are already full-fledged legends it's really really cool um so yeah uh, keep an eye out for that uh, beyond that, I'm going to return with my uh, blockbuster buddies, uh, Brad McNeil and Scott McLeod, to do another episode of Staff Picks. Uh, and I think we're going to look at the the film The Nice Guys. And there's talks we might do that in a, a sort of audio commentary uh, style, which is similar to what I do with uh, Mystery Titans Theatre. Um, uh, so look out for that, too. And then finally, like what I have planned for the fifth one was going to be the bookend here, is to finish with a review of that, of that extreme live show after we go to that at the end of August. With, uh, again, another uh, extreme fan and former guest of the show, Wade Kinley, because uh, he's going to join me at that show in Seattle and we'll be able to, to talk about uh, that performance. And I think that'll be a fun way to, you know, a uh, fun little short season three here. Um, we appreciate your support, everybody, because uh, I do hear from people talking about this, even even when I take time off. And that that's really, really kind and sweet. And, you know, it's uh, what encourages me to do this, aside from the fact that yeah, look what happened. Extreme put out a, a, a new album. Um, and, you know, I, I've got so many friends and I've made so many, uh, you know, new relationships in the last little while of people who are interesting and who I love to talk to. And like I said, I've got five episodes here. If you can think of a sixth one, if you're a friend or even if you're just, a, you know, someone who wants to talk and I've never met you, let, let's uh, let's think of something about how we're going to fill in that uh if we make it a, a season three, the 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 sixth season, the extreme sixth season with six episodes, we'll see. If not, uh, five's a fine number too, right? Okay, <laughs> uh, I think that's where we'll uh, wrap things up here today. Look for uh, more yours, mine, and the truth here on the Palm Podcast Network, as well as the other great shows here. And uh, yeah, we'll see you probably in a couple weeks, guys. Thanks again for listening. Bye bye.